Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 47 of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt, and I'm here to tell you all about how Raw went this week. But first, if you like us and you want to hear more of us, please make sure to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Like, share, tell your friends about us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we're going to jump right into Raw right after I go over... This day in wrestling history. So today, October 22nd, 24 years ago, the WWF presented In Your House, Great White North. This is the fourth In Your House. Uh, and some pretty interesting shows. And again, this is 24 years ago. So this is 1995. Triple H defeated Fatu, as Hunter Hearst Helmsley, of course. A gold dust. With his in-ring debut, wrestled Marty Jannetty. And this was also the show where Dean Douglas, also known as Shane Douglas, was awarded the Intercontinental Championship due to forfeit because of Shawn Michaels' injury, uh, that he, where he basically got beat up by a bunch of U.S. Marines. This is the second time he vacated a title without losing. You know, Shawn Michaels is, for all, is, all intents and purposes, a wonderful person now. It's been well documented how he wasn't a great person and uh, this situation, maybe not so much, but there were a lot of times where he just wouldn't lose the title, so he would ha have it vacated. Um, but yeah, he basically confronted a bunch of U.S. Marines and got the crap kicked out of him, and Shane Douglas was awarded the title. But Razor Ramon comes out and challenges him and beats him. So Shane Douglas is your shortest ever intercontinental champion at just 11 minutes. This show was uh, main evented by the British Bulldog defeating Diesel by DQ, but of course this was for the WWF Championship and Diesel did indeed retain. So I'm really interested to know what you guys think of Raw this week. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of people really, really seemed to enjoy it. A lot of people really, really didn't like it. Um, and some people were kind of in the middle. So it was really interesting because a lot of times wrestling, especially with WWE programming, a lot of people kind of tend to agree whether it was a really good show or a really bad show. And uh, I really, I'm really interested to know what you guys think. Please leave a comment below and let me know. So Raw opens with Ric Flair, which is always, always, yeah, always a good thing. He comes out. He tries to be a heel, but it doesn't matter. Because much like Chris Cumbie, no matter how much you act like a heel, people are going to love you anyway. We love you, Chris. <laughs> One of the lines Ric Flair said was, it's good that I'm here because LeBron left and I'm the only champion you have now. And instead of getting Big Hill heat, he got this humongous cheer. It's because it's Ric Flair. At this stage in his career, no one's going to boo him. I'm sorry. I know people want to boo him. Or I'm sorry. I know that he wants people to boo him. It's just not going to happen. He's out there to introduce the last person on Team Flair. Drew McIntyre's music hits, which is great. Drew McIntyre's been injured for a little while, so it's good that he's back. And he's here to wrestle Ricochet. And let me tell you, this match was so awesome. It was so, so good. It lasted 15, 17 minutes. But unlike Lacey Evans and Natalya, which was basically worthless, this match kept me on the edge of my seat basically the entire time. There were so many cool spots. There was a reverse Alabama slam into the still steps on the outside. 
There was one spot that was literally back and forth where they were just hitting high spots on each other. Drew McIntyre is so talented, and I understand that he's like the big guy, and he's doing like axe handles and stuff, but he's so much more than that, and I'm glad that they're giving him an opportunity to show that. I was really happy with this match. Uh, It ended with Drew McIntyre hitting the Claymore on Ricochet and getting the win. Now, you can look at this two ways. One, you can look at it as Drew McIntyre getting his win back from Ricochet because he, you know, lost to Ricochet in the first round of the King of the Ring right before he left to rehab his injury. And that's 50-50 booking, and that's no good. But I don't want to be too negative because I know I've been really negative on the WWE lately. And I do want to point out that the other way to look at it is if Drew McIntyre is about to get a push, which I hope he is, this was him defeating clean, not with Ric Flair's help, clean, a really big future star in Ricochet. Ricochet's won most of his matches since he's debuted on Raw. Everyone absolutely loves Ricochet. And uh, yeah, I thought it was good. It was really good. Ric Flair did cut some kind of weird promo in the middle of the match. His promo before before the match wasn't that great either. But in the middle of the match, he asked a lady interviewing him where we're going to be next week, and she had no idea either. And it was it was uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know, man. Ric Flair's just it hurts me to say this, but I, he just doesn't look well. He's slurring his words. And I hope it's just because of age, but either way, I I hope he gets well soon because he did seem like he was having some issues. Again, it could just be age, but let's just hope that he's doing he's going to do better. The OC was backstage, and basically they were just doubting that the Street Profits could have found a friend. They basically said that you know there's no one that would want to be friends with them, and they were just going to beat him up more later. <laughs> the big line that everyone's talking about is they said the the street profits say they want the smoke, but they can't give that in Ohio because smoking is illegal. And I literally wrote on my paper, what was this? I do not understand why AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows are talking about weed being illegal in Ohio. Don't understand. Made no sense. We move forward to a video package. And just highlighting Andrade. And I'm like, cool. First round draft pick, even though the draft picks don't matter. Maybe they're going to give him a little bit of a push. Then they move to Buddy Murphy. And it's, I mean, it's literally the same package. They move to Buddy Murphy. They highlight Buddy Murphy. Like, cool. Then they move to Aleister Black. They highlight Aleister Black. I'm like, great. I love all three of these guys. I hope they all get pushed. As soon as the Aleister Black one ends, we go straight to Aleister Black, who's in the back in his room, but he doesn't have a shirt on, which means he's in wrestling tights. So we are to assume that he is going to wrestle. We come back from commercial. There's a goober in the ring. And Aleister Black does his entrance. Now here's the thing. Jason Reynolds, I think, was the goober's name. He got way too much offense in. And this wasn't just some, you know, little dinky guy that they just pulled off the street. He is supposedly a local wrestler. And he was pretty big. He was probably bigger than Aleister Black. I mean, a decent-sized guy. But... He was able to take Alistair's offense for a while. He got some offense of his own. And if your job is to push Alistair Black and you want to feed a jobber to him, then just feed a jobber to him. Let him beat him in two minutes. And I know I complain about jobber matches, but 
especially Alistair Black. I mean, what in the world is going on? He's already done this, but whatever. But if you're going to do this, just feed him somebody else. Feed him No Way Jose. It's fine. It would have accomplished the exact same thing, and someone on the WWE roster would have actually been able to get in the ring. This didn't make any sense, but uh, I'm glad Alistair Black won. He won with a black mass. I'm glad he's on my TV. He didn't do that weird dragon sleeper, but I hope he's not dropping it. I just hope that this just shows he can still win with a black mass. Yeah, it was okay. The Authors of Pain are cutting a promo, and they're cutting it in their languages, I think. I don't think it's the same language. Uh, and forgive me, I know it's probably a pretty ignorant thing to say, but I can't tell. Um, so they're both speaking their languages, and they say, and first of all, I want to say, these have been so good. I have absolutely loved them. If you've been listening to the show, you know that all three of us really like this. But this one was a miss for me. And the reason it was a miss is they basically said, Raw didn't draft us because they wanted us here. They drafted us to keep us away from SmackDown. And the way they worded it was, it was like protect the SmackDown guys or whatever because they're going to murder the people on Raw. And I just don't get it. The the way they worded it, or maybe they were doing fine in their language, but the captions were terrible. I don't know. But it came off making them look and sound really stupid, uh, which is something the WWE has been doing very well lately. Speaking of really stupid, Jerry Lawler is in the ring. Not that Jerry Lawler is really stupid, but the segment is. And he is there to interview Rusev. Rusev comes out, and it's so weird. His big, you know, booming music, da 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 is coming out. And he's like, you know, kind of happy. And he gets in the ring. And Jerry Lawler is asking Rusev, you know, questions about his marriage. And he's getting some what's. And Rusev's like, hey, he's a Hall of Famer. Show some respect. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Aren't you a professional wrestler? Don't you know that these what chants are good? It shows that the crowd is involved and they're paying attention. I understand that you could say, oh, they're just, you know, hating this segment. Well, maybe they were. And they have every right to do what they want because they paid tickets to see the show. It's really dumb, Rusev. It was wrong of you. Really stupid. Jerry Lawler says, I think marriages should stay private, but we're going to talk about this anyway. And uh, Jerry Lawler should think marriages should stay private because he's been married three times. And as he's talking to Rusev, Rusev's like, Bobby Lashley has poisoned my Lana's mind, and I still wear my wedding ring every day, hoping she comes back to me. Which basically means that Rusev is a dork. And look, I understand that there are people out there that their significant others have left them or are cheating on them, and they go, you know what, I just want my marriage or my relationship restored, and that's okay. That is fine. Now, I'm not that kind of person. I've been cheated on in the past. It's miserable, and my wife is the most amazing thing that ever happened to me, but we've talked about it before, and if she ever cheated on me, that's it. I'm done. I would never want anything to do with her again, even though she's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I love her more than the entire world, just for the sheer fact that that's unforgivable. But let's say Rusev forgives her, okay? And that would be okay. I would be able to accept that because I have friends and family in my life that have done that before, and that's okay. But it's not like Lana is just be, like discreetly cheating on him behind his back. She's flaunting this relationship in front of his face. 
And so they basically interrupt Rusev, and Lana's in like this, I don't know, I don't know how to say it in a polite way, so I'm just going to say it, a boob window shirt, okay? So she's basically in a shirt that's cut out so you can see her chest, and her and Lashley are there in some kind of restaurant, and she goes, it was my dream to be at this restaurant, but Rusev would never take me, and I'm thinking, if it's your dream, just go. Why would you not go to the restaurant if your husband doesn't go with you? Take a friend. Maybe he doesn't like that type of food. Whatever. Go. Enjoy yourself. But no. She just decides to cheat on him and leave him so they can go to a restaurant. Whatever. I know I'm, I'm. that's a little bit of a stretch, but it's really what she said. And so she's there with Lashley. She says, how dare he mess up her modeling contracts? How dare he send money back to his family in Bulgaria? It was really stupid. And then it like cut off like staticky. And for a split second, I'm like, wait a minute, is the fiend coming? But no, it was just a weird like static cutoff. I don't understand. And so Jerry Lawler, who just said, I think this marriage stuff should stay private. He says to Rusev, well, you got to answer that. And Rusev says, you know what? I'm going to show it because I think I know where they are. And he like books it to the backstage area. I don't know what the WWE is trying to do here. All right. I hate these types of storylines. I absolutely despise them. And if you like it, please let me know because I don't know anyone that really enjoys this other than the fact that they can give some sort of banter to it because and make fun of it because it's so stupid. And to me, this is not in the so bad it's good category. This is in the please God, please, please, please don't let this be back on my television category. I absolutely hated it. You know what? We're going to have some more of it later. So sucks for me, I guess. Zelina Vega comes out with Andrade. I'm like, yes, I love Andrade. I love Zelina Vega. And I want to say... Zelina Vega is super, super talented, and she helps make Andrade. Even though he's incredible in the ring, what she does for him elevates him. She does a great job, and that's something that a lot of managers or valets haven't been able to do in the last decade in WWE. Back in the 80s and 90s, there were tons of managers and valets that really, really helped put over their clients. Not so much anymore, but she does such a wonderful job, and I think that she deserves uh, some respect. She did cut kind of a weird promo, and I don't believe it was her fault. She said something about, and I might be getting the uh, the translation wrong because I don't remember exactly what she said, but Andrade's out there to wrestle Sin Cara, and she said that Sin Cara means uh, without a face, I believe is what it was, and she said, well, today Sin Cara is going to leave without a victory. And I thought, that is the lamest excuse for a promo I've ever heard. She's also, you know, said, what, a couple weeks ago that the four, four horsewomen should be called the four horse faces. And again, I know this isn't her writing this stuff, but just my gosh. Like, how, what writer comes up with this? It's absolutely terrible. But what's not terrible is this match. And Andrade beat Cara. They had about 10 minutes. Uh, it was really solid. A lot of people were saying the match went too long because Andrade should just destroy Sin Cara, but you know what? I don't think so. I think whether Sin Cara is a jobber or not, if these two can put on a great match, which they did, give them time. Remember when Rey Mysterio was wrestling Grand Metalik a couple weeks ago and we all loved it? Same thing. I absolutely love this. 
only thing that bothered me is at the end, uh, Zelina Vega did her weird, you know, her and Rana on the outside where, you know, Andrade was distracting the referee. It's getting kind of old. Um, they literally do it every single match now. And I'm, I'm over it. I think it should happen, you know, in specific matches. But did she really need to do that to help him beat Sin Cara? No. No, she didn't. Sin Cara gets back in the ring, immediately gets, uh, what is it, double underhook DDT'd, and Andrade won. So, I'm sorry, it's a hammerlock DDT, forgive me. Either way, it doesn't matter. DDT, Andrade won. Humberto Carrillo is shown in the back, and <laughs> a lot of people have been saying this, so I'm just going to point it out. I hope, if you've listened to other wrestling podcasts, don't think I stole this, because this is all over the place. They said Humberto Carrillo is dressed like a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. And he kind of was. It was really funny. Uh, my, I want to say that my wife absolutely loved Humberto Carrillo. She loved his dimples. He's a very handsome man. And so he's like doing this weird, you know how they do, when they're in the backstage area and they're watching a monitor. They're not like watching it straight on. They're like turned to the side so their chest and, and the front of them is is stared toward the camera, but they have their head turned toward the monitor. And then one of the interviewers comes up to him, and so all he has to do is turn his head. He doesn't turn his body. It's dumb. But whatever, it's fine. Um, he's back there. He says that one day Andrade will be Universal Champion because he's great, but maybe Humberto will be champion first. And he says if he is, he'll be a great role model, unlike Seth Rollins, who is an arsonist. He did not say those words, but that's basically what he meant. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Go listen to the interview. That's exactly what he said. You know what? He's right. Seth Rollins is a terrible babyface. I've been saying it for months. He's awful. We moved to the Street Profits, who are backstage, and they said, you know what? Our partner for the six-man tag, six-man tag, six-man tag, remember that later, is someone that hates AJ Styles. So we'll see who it is. Who do you think it is? We have another backstage segment, and R-Truth basically gets rolled up by the Bollywood boys. One of the Singh brothers distracted him. The other Singh brother rolled him up, and they ran away. The Viking Raiders come out. Then we go to Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, who's standing at Gorilla. And they say, you know what? Everyone says we're the underdogs. We're not the underdogs. And Ryder says, hey, I wonder if we even have Pyro. Of course they don't. They come out. They don't have Pyro. And Lala's like, oh, will they have it? Will they have it? Oh, no, I guess guess they're not going to have Pyro. And then they talk about Pyro for like five minutes as the Viking Raiders destroy Ridings and Hawkins. Ryder and Hawkins. It was weird. It was fine. You know, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, I think their time, their, their ship's kind of sailed. The time's up. And I'm okay with them being in this in this um, status in the card. I know a lot of people drastically disagree, especially how Zack Ryder was really screwed over when he was super over. But he's not anymore. This is kind of where they should be. Ivar pinned Kurt Hawkins with the Viking experience. It's over. We go to Lana and Lashley, and they're in a restaurant. And the manager comes up and says, Um, yes, excuse me, giant military man and boob window woman. I need to ask you to leave. I don't mean to be rude, but I don't want any trouble, and I hear that your husband is coming. Now, first of all, how how does he know? How does he know that her husband is coming? But maybe it's the giant camera crew that's in the middle of his restaurant. Maybe so. Also, the giant camera crew that was in the room with Lana and Lashley in, uh, in their bedroom, and also in the uh, massage area. Yep. Same camera crew. 
So the manager says, if you just if you leave now, I'll comp your mills. I'll give them to you for free on the house. But please, I don't want any trouble. Will you just go? And Lashley says, ha 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 ha, Rusev won't come. And then one of them says, I, I can't remember which one it was, but they basically said, Rusev doesn't have the balls to show up. They were, they were wrong. Rusev does show up. And it's, I think it's a little later in the night. I can't remember. It all ran together. This, the whole thing was just so stupid. He showed up. He tried to attack Lashley. He got a couple hits in. The police immediately pulled him apart and took him to jail as Lana screams, take him to jail at the top of her lungs over and over and over and over. I just, I don't, I've already ranted about it. I'm not going to do it anymore. The show could be four hours if I'm just going to sit here and rant the whole time. But, but do we have to do this? Is this necessary? These are two gigantic men. Just have them destroy one another. I don't understand. Do we not remember how successful Strowman and Lashley were? Oh, oh my bad. Sorry. I thought the whole the whole feud was good. I remember the ending being good. I thought the whole feud... You mean to tell me the whole feud wasn't good? Oh, my bad. I apologize. Maybe this, maybe this is better. It's not better. Rey Mysterio's inside the ring. He's cutting a promo and he's thanking the fans. And he says, thank you so much for your support after Brock Lesnar attacked me and my son. Cain Velasquez is going to defend my family's honor, mi familia. And he's going to give Brock Lesnar a matching scar on his other eye at Crown Jewel. He gets interrupted by Paul Heyman, who says that Ray wouldn't say those things if Lesnar was there. But it's so great because instead of staying there and taking it like a dope, Ray Mysterio shuts Paul Heyman up. It's great. Shelton Benjamin comes out in his really cool-looking new attire. Um, I don't know why I like it. I just do. Also, I love Shelton Benjamin, so I'm biased. And he says, what do I have to do to get a title opportunity? Do I just have to, do I have to beat you up? Is that the way it works? So he just, like, starts shoving him. He's like, is that a U.S. title shot? He does it again. Is that an intercontinental title shot? Big shove. Maybe, maybe I get a world title shot. And then he says, you know what? If Kane is family to you, well, Lesnar's family to me. I trained Brock Lesnar at the University of Minnesota. And what he didn't say was that he tagged with Brock Lesnar in NXT, which I wish he would have, or whatever, FCW, I think it was. Uh, I wish he would have brought that up, but that's fine. But he says, basically, he's family to Brock Lesnar. Cain uh, Velasquez comes out to save Rey Mysterio and gives this, like, terrible throw. Like, it just looks awful. It's super sloppy. And then he throws some really terrible punches and does a rear naked choke. I... The guys had two wrestling matches, and I just do not know what they're going to do at Crown Jewel. I don't know. And I know Chris, you know, gets on Brock Lesnar a lot, and I do want to say Brock Lesnar isn't Daniel Bryan, all right? But the dude isn't terrible. He just doesn't, he just throws people around now. Back in the day when he first debuted, he put on some banger matches with Kurt Angle and some other people too, but especially Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, just great matches if you remember those. I know it's been a long time ago, and it's a very different Brock Lesnar. But this Brock Lesnar and this Cain Velasquez, unless they do like some weird suedo, suedo, I said it again, weird pseudo MMA type fight, I just don't know. I don't know. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And who's going to win? Is Lesnar going to lose his title again right after winning it like he did to Rollins? To someone who's had two wrestling matches in his entire life? No. So what are they going to do? Is Dominic going to be out there? 
and Brock Lesnar attacks Dominic. So Cain Velasquez goes off and goes insane and destroys Lesnar so much he gets disqualified. If they have another non-finish, how many people will stop watching the WWE? After the terrible, terrible Hell in a Cell finish, which I won't rant on anymore because I've been doing it for a couple weeks now, if they do another non-finish after that, how many people will just be like, screw it, I'm only watching NXT or I'm only watching AEW. I'm not dealing with this anymore. How many people will say, you know what, I'm done with wrestling for a while? I think a lot. I do. Especially considering this is happening at Saudi Arabia, which a lot of people have big moral issues with anyway. I don't understand why in the world they have done this. They always book themselves in these terrible corners, and they just it's, it's so stupid. I mean, they the WWE never does long-term booking properly, and that's what I've been really enjoying about AEW is their stories have been building every single week. And even though they're not super intricate stories, especially with like the Moxley and Pac and Omega, that one specifically has been built so, so well. And I just, I don't know, I don't remember the last time we've had a good long-term story in the WWE, but it could be happening right now with Seth Rollins turning heel because he's been hinting about it a lot. Because in the next segment, he's out there and he goes, you know, as a dweeb, that's this huge dweeb. He's like, oh, the fiend, he's really changed me. And he's, yes, it's true. He's in my head. But you know what? I think I'm in his head now because I burned down the Firefly Funhouse. Now, what he didn't say was how he found the Funhouse. So are we to believe that Bray Wyatt has been showing up at all of these arenas, setting up the Funhouse, and then having a camera crew film him? Because that takes everything fun out of the funhouse. Is that what we're supposed to believe? I, I think that's what we're supposed to believe if the world of wrestling is real, which is how they want to, that's how they want to present it. Seth Rollins sees Humberto, which is in like a half Power Ranger uniform now, because he's taken some of it off. It was really strange. And then he says, hey, I heard what you said earlier, kid. And I th- think you need to understand that Sometimes you got to do the right thing as a champion, even if it's not popular. If they turn him heel, this is really good. If they don't turn him heel, this is really stupid. They probably won't turn him heel. So he says, you know what? I heard you say that you wanted to be Universal Champion. How about tonight, your first night on Raw, you have a match against me, not for the title. And Humberto goes, of course I will. They go out. Seth Rollins comes out. Kind of gets mixed reactions. More cheers than boos, I think. At this point. And Humberto comes out. The crowd's kind of dead for him. But as the match goes on, holy smokes, Humberto's amazing. And I've only seen very little of this guy because, again, I don't watch 205 Live. Man, he is so talented. His moonsaults are incredible. This match was great. You definitely should watch it. Seth Rollins is awesome in the ring. It's just he's booked so poorly and he's not a great promo in the situation that he's in now. He's not a great promo. He can do good promos because we've seen him do them before. After the match, he beats Humberto and, you know, he goes to leave. He comes back. He shakes Humberto's hand. Now, I want to tell you, I want to tell a little story. I want to tell you guys the difference between how AEW did this to how WWE did this. So in AEW, you had Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allin. And Cody Rhodes is wrestling Darby Allin. 
and he's putting him over. He hits him with everything but his finisher. Everything. And Darby keeps kicking out. And Darby at this time is a relative unknown. And Cody Rhodes is one of the biggest stars in the promotion. Cody Rhodes is, at towards the end of the match, really starts getting on Darby. And he has most of the offense. Then he finally hits his finisher and goes for the pin. One, two, time runs out. Draw. Darby is now a superstar. And if you guys have been watching AEW, you know how over this guy is that most of these fans had never heard of a month and a half ago. He's one of the most over guys in the company. He just wrestled Chris Jericho for the AEW title and did a bang-up job, and everybody loves him. In the WWE's world, Seth Rollins and Humberto did get some offense in, but there are points in this match where Seth Rollins, the good guy, the biggest baby face in the company, arguably, is just beating down Humberto Carrillo and going, hey man, get up. Is that the best you got? Just making Humberto look like a dork. And if Seth Rollins was a heel, it would have been perfect. But he's a face. He should not be doing these things. He should not be taunting the new guy. But that's what he did because he's booked as a giant dweeb. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. R-Truth is in the back. And he grabs the ref and he's like, oh, come with me. He goes, he sees one of the Singh brothers. He rolls him up and R-Truth counts. One, two, three, four, five. Six, but nothing. And so he lets him go and he looks at the ref and says, why aren't you counting? And the ref said, that's the wrong guy. And so the Singh brothers run away. And he goes, oh, there was two of them? Which was funny because he said it earlier. People are saying this was racist. I'm not going to touch too much on it, but I am going to say it's not racist. R-Truth is a dumb person in, in character. He's a dumb person. He didn't even know there were two guys. All right, it's fine. It's not racist. Moving on. Main event. You have the Street Profits. They come out. They celebrate in the crowd. Everybody loves them. And then you see the OC come out. And I thought, oh, this is really dumb. They're doing the same thing they did with uh, on SmackDown with Daniel Bryan coming out. And then, you know, Corbin and Shisuke came out during the commercial break. And then Roman Reigns came out last. And they split them up. That's just a really stupid way to enter. But that's not what happened. AJ Styles and the OC are out there and said, you know what? We can't believe that you couldn't even find someone to help you. You couldn't find a friend. Ha, 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 ha. And then the match starts after a commercial with the OC, Anderson and Gallows versus the Street Profits, and AJ's outside the ring. And I'm like, wait a second. They've been saying all night and said it last week that the, the Street Profits were getting a third man. They've been teasing it for a week. They teased it early in the show. They said it was a six-man tag, and we didn't get a six-man tag. So once again, we can't have a WWE show without advertising something that didn't happen. Every single week. I just don't get it. It's just so frustrating to me, because why would you say something's going to happen and then just, and I understand, wrestling scripted, you want surprises, but not like this, it's just dumb. It's not entertaining, it helps no one get over, it's just stupid. What's even dumber is they actually had someone and he didn't come out to the end of the match. 
it's just, uh, ugh. if the world of wrestling is real and we're supposed to believe it is, it makes no sense. They have a good match. Of course they do. The Street Profits and the OC are four talented wrestlers. AJ is incredible on the outside. Toward the end of the match, AJ interferes. He grabs, I think it's Montez Ford. He gets caught by the ref. And then the ref tries to send him out and he holds his hand back. He's like, no, no, I didn't do nothing. And then Kevin Owens' music hits. Kevin Owens comes out and stuns AJ Styles. Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford finish off the OC. Uh, Montez Ford hit a frog splash off the top. It's incredible. The dude can jump so high. Looks great. And got the win. One, two, three. And that's how the show ended. I don't understand. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. And I've said that a lot this show, have I not? I don't understand what the WWE is doing. It's like, okay, maybe since they have all these writers that don't know wrestling, admittedly don't know wrestling, we've all seen the recruitment video, right? If you haven't, go watch it. They're like, oh, it's a soap opera. We'll just record or we'll just write one episode a week and that's enough. It's not enough in wrestling. Not if you can't put together coherent storylines. It doesn't work. You need to have a plan in place for the next three, four weeks, at least in the next pay-per-view, going, okay, what are we doing with these guys? What is the end goal? Let's put them here at this point, here at this point, and at the end, we want to be here. Okay, what's the most entertaining way that we can go from point A to point B and finally arrive at point C? But no, they go, cool, this is what happens this week. And Vince McMahon goes, Oh, that's really stupid. I don't like that, pal. And he tears it up and he rewrites it. It makes no sense. The WWE cannot put together coherent storylines. They they advertise stuff and then they just back out at the last minute. It makes no sense. What's so frustrating is the workers are so talented. I'm about to grade the show and I'll tell you, it's not going to be terrible even though the writing was terrible because some of the matches were incredible. Seth Rollins and Humberto Carrillo, great. Main event tag match, pretty good. Andrade Sin Cara, great. Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So the show deserves to be better. These workers deserve better than what the WWE is providing them. And I can't wait to record NXT tomorrow night because I'll tell you, Kyle told me I sounded like a crazy man, and honestly... Sometimes I feel like it. I feel like when I watch wrestling, I pull my hair out of my scalp, I take my TV and throw it through the backyard, and then I curb stomp it into the floor where the fiend pops his head out and waves at me. I just, I, ugh. It makes me feel nuts because none of it makes sense. It's like watching the first 10 minutes of Gilligan's Island and going, okay, this makes kind of sense. And then you go to 10 minutes of Breaking Bad and you go, wait a second. These storylines don't fit together either. And then you end with 10 minutes of Game of Thrones. You're like, well, hold on a second. Where do the dragons come from? There weren't dragons at the first 20 minutes of this show. But there are now because none of it makes any sense. I just, I can't. I'm going to grade this for you guys. I've already talked about the matches. The jobber match was fine. The backstage stuff wasn't good this week. The Lana Lashley... Rusev stuff was exceptionally bad. Uh, at least it wasn't as uncomfortable as 
previous weeks, but it was it was pretty bad. Unfortunately, the Authors of Pain promo wasn't good, which was disappointing because they're so good, or their others have been so good, but this just wasn't great. But the, ma- the matches were so good in the ring this week, I can't give it at least a decent grade. I'm going to say B-, minus because there really wasn't a point in this show where I was bored. There was a lot of points in the show where I'm like, this makes no sense, what in the world is happening? But I wasn't like, all right, I'm just going to fall asleep now because it was so boring. The show was at least enjoyable. B minus. The show deserves a B minus. And you know what? If the stuff backstage was better, it would have been at least a B plus, maybe even an A. And I'll tell you, as much as I've been burying WWE the last few weeks other than NXT, I, I, I'm surprised at how, how much fun this show was, because this show was legitimately fun, even though the storylines made no sense. I enjoyed it. It could have been a lot better, though. It could have been a lot better. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt Sin, a.k.a. Wrestle Life Matt. I want to let you guys know about what's going on the rest of the week. We're going to be recording the AEW show tomorrow, immediately after AEW, and we'll be posting it immediately after that. So we'll have the AEW show up probably about 90 minutes after AEW goes off the air. Make sure you watch out for that one. Make sure to tell your friends. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. Uh, and then right after AEW, the next day, we should have NXT. And then we'll have SmackDown only a day or two after that. And then we're gearing up. See what I did there? For full gear on November 9th. We're all really excited. Uh, honestly, right now, there are no plans for us to do a Crown Jewel show. I guess that could change, but I wouldn't count on it. The Crown Jewel shows don't really matter anyway, but if you have any questions about it, anything you want us to address, anything you want us to answer, please leave a comment below on Facebook. Send us a message on Instagram. We'll be more than happy to to talk about it. But, of course, we'll talk a little bit about it because I know something screwy is going to happen with The Fiend and Rollins. So we'll have some discussion about it, but we're not going to have like a big preview show or anything because it just doesn't deserve one, to be honest with you. So... Uh, let me know if you disagree. And if you really, really, really want a Crown Jewel show, maybe we'll maybe we'll do it for you guys. Make sure to follow us all at WrestleLifePod on Twitter. Follow us at WrestleLifeRadio on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow me at WrestleLifeMatt on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Chris at WrestleLifeHeel on Twitter and Kyle at Kyle.Pauly on Instagram. One last time, as always, we really appreciate you. We really do. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are the reason that we continue to do this. Again, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want us to focus on, please let us know. We would would 100% love to do that for you guys. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day. Let me in.